Hey, um, like Chris and Jackie said, next week is Easter, and we, I know that we, we talk about that, and we say, we're going to celebrate. Oh, by the way, I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here for you guys that are new. That's who I am. Um, we, we talk about Easter, and we say, it's a big celebration for us as a church, and Man, I went through a lot of years. I, I grew up Catholic, and we, we went to Palm Sunday, the one Sunday, and then we went to Easter, and I went through a lot of years where Easter was, was we just dressed up and went to church. Um, and so when you hear we're going to celebrate on Easter, you've got to recognize the reason why we're celebrating. In 1 Thessalonians, it says this. It says, it says, death has been swallowed up in victory. And so we're truly celebrating a victory. We're going to have a party next week because of a victory that happened. Because Jesus did conquer death and did conquer the grave and did conquer sin and gives us life now and for eternity because of that. And once a year, we get to, we get to recognize that throughout the year, but once a year we get to say, this is what all of what we do is all about is what happened on this day, on, what, on this Easter Sunday. And so that's why we, we say, come and celebrate with us. It's also why we tell you to invite other people. It's why we say that neighbor that you haven't talked to for a long time or all you've ever said to them is hi or here's your mail. It got stuck in our mailbox. If that's all you've ever said to your neighbor, this would be the time to go, I'm going to say a little bit more. I want to invite you. Not so that we can get a lot of people in here. There's going to be lots of people in here. People come on Easter and Christmas to, to church. There's going to be lots of people in here. It's so that your neighbor that might just be sitting at home doing nothing next Sunday would also get to celebrate and get to, to, to claim that victory. And you might say, yeah, but they won't know what's going on. If there's a Sunday to invite somebody that doesn't know what we're talking about, it would be next Sunday. When Jim comes up here to preach next Sunday, he's going to spell it out for all of us that this is what Jesus has done for us and it has, we have every reason to celebrate. So would you guys be inviters this week? Be bold when you have never been bold before if you haven't been. If, you're gonna, if you haven't addressed it one bit, this would be the week to just go, I'm going to go talk to this person and say, you got to come because I want you to celebrate too. Or I want you to be in part of that party that we are going to have around what Jesus has done for us. And so, so be bold with that. In fact, I'm going to pray this morning for, this, for, for what we're going to share today, but then I also want to pray for boldness for you whether you want it or not. So here it comes. You're going to go, you can deflect it all you want, but too bad. I'm praying for your boldness this week. God, we pray. We pray that every, per, every one of us, in those moments that we have this week of, of should I, should I say something? What if they think? What if they, what if... All of those thoughts that comes through our heads when it comes to talking to somebody about the truth of who you are, I pray that this week you would interrupt those thoughts and help us to just be bold with beautiful news and powerful news that we all need to grab hold of. I pray that you would give us the boldness to share it with somebody else so that other people can be invited to a party, a celebration of your victory this next week. I pray that that would happen. I pray that you would bless us this week as we look at some, some of the hard, some hard stuff as we lead up to next week. 
We pray that you'd help us to do that as we look at this word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, all right, so, so that's next week. Oh, and don't forget, that's our last week that we're doing our, um, our canned food drive that's out there. Sister Carmen, they count on us in the spring to, to, uh, to fill those shelves. They get them filled in, in October, November, and they give away a lot of food in the December, January months, but then those, those shelves go dry in, uh, in February, March, and April. And so this is the time that they're going, gosh, I hope a cent comes through again with a, a bunch of a bins full of stuff that we'll be able to stock those shelves go out and get whatever you can go buy Costco get whatever you can bring it in this next on, on Easter Sunday and we're going to fill those bins up so we can fill the shelves up at Sister Carmen okay all right so so Easter Sunday's next week the victory like it said like Paul wrote in Thessalonians that's next week before that happens we've got to recognize some other things you got to recognize Friday before you can get to the celebration of the resurrection, you have to recognize the realization of the crucifixion. Before you get to the, the, the great celebration of Jesus rising from the dead and conquering the grave, we got to recognize that he went to the grave and that Jesus did that. And so that's part of when we make that announcement on Good Friday, that's part of that what happens when we come together on Good Friday is we are recognizing together that Jesus sacrificed for all of us, Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, and that was a sacrifice. And we have to recognize what happened. Some of us don't even want to look at Friday, because Friday is, is, is too hard to even, to even think about. Jesus in the, and getting beaten and Pontius Pilate and the crown of thorns and his death at three in the afternoon. We don't want to look at that, but we need to, to recognize the beauty of what happens on Sunday. Well, as you go through, this is what in church world we call this Holy Week. And as you go through Holy Week, when he entered into Jerusalem and then all the things happened through the week, Judas goes and betrays him and, and goes to the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council. And he, and he says, okay, here we go. I'm going to try, I'm, I want to betray Jesus now. We go through all through the week and you go through uh, uh, um, the, the, the Last Supper on Thursday. You go through the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is sweating blood and the disciples are, are sleeping. You go through all of that. You go through Friday. You get to the, to the tomb and Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross and Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus take him off the cross and they bring him to a tomb and they put him in a tomb and they roll a stone over that tomb and that's it for Friday. And then we go, we, we go through Saturday and into Sunday and Sunday is the resurrection and that's when Mary it goes to the tomb and sees Jesus isn't there and goes back to, the, to Peter and John and they go sprinting to the tomb and that's the beginning of the joy of the resurrection. What I want to do today, and this isn't, this isn't super fun to do this, I want to look at Saturday. I want to take a closer look at Saturday. You know, here, it, what's interesting, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, those are the four guys that were set out to write about the life of Jesus Christ. Only one of them mentioned anything about Saturday. Only one of them does. And I don't even have it up there. I've got to grab my glasses real quick. It's, 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 it says this, the next day, that is after the day of preparation or after the day Jesus died, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember what that imposter said while he was still alive. After three days I will rise again. Therefore, command the tomb, the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he's been raised from the dead. And the last deception would be worse than the first. Pilate agreed. 
You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went to the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. That's what happened on, this, on Saturday. And that's all that it shows what happened, what it shares what happened on Saturday. But I want to talk more about Saturday. Because I picture it from the mind of the disciples. I picture it from what they saw. What they went through through the week. What they went through through the three years. And when they got to Saturday, they're facing now what just happened. What just happened? What in the world? This was not supposed to go this way. Think about it. You guys, this is not Hogwarts. This is not Harry Potter. This is not fiction. This happened. And so picture these dudes. Picture them sitting there on, waking up on Saturday morning. What was it like for them to wake up? And they get up that day and their face, you know how you, when you've cried, it's a lot of tears and you're just feeling swollen, but you're kind of dried up and you're just going, you know, just going, what, what happened? What were they thinking that morning? They're going, he said, mentioned something about death. What happened? And they're thinking about three years and what they were planning on continuing to do with Jesus. And now there's nothing but a body in a tomb with a stone rolled over it. That's all they have. They don't know that Easter's coming. They don't know that Sunday is right around the corner. They don't know that, that the tomb will be empty and they'll run to it and they'll get to see Jesus face to face. Come on, they're not thinking he will conquer the grave and he will come back to life. They're not thinking that. The, t the stone has been rolled over the tomb and he's dead. And they're left with these, these, these thoughts, these thoughts of, of discouragement and sadness and disappointment and massive confusion. They're left with this, with this, what do I do now moment. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? That's where the disciples had to be on Saturday, where they're just questioning now, what do I do? The reason why I want to talk about Saturday, as much as it's not this, the joy of Sunday, Jim will bring the joy of Sunday next week. The reason why I want to talk about Saturday this week is because I think lots of us go through Saturdays in our life. Lots of us go through those times where we are also, it's, it's like the high emotion of Friday settles into Saturday. And that settling of disappointment or sadness or confusion, you're in that place and that's many of our Saturdays. There's Saturdays in our lives. The Saturdays, it might not take over all of what's going on in your life, but there's a portion for many of us right now that you're carrying, it might be the thing that you've been thinking the most about. It might be the thing that you've just been going, I can't get that out of my head. I can't, I can't get away from that. It's just, it's this thing that I cannot control. It's this thing that I, I can't, I don't know what to do with. It's this thing that I sit in discouragement with a lot of my life. 
For some of you, that's, that's with your kids where you just go, you know, I just, I'm trying so hard and there's some, still some disconnect that's happening and I feel like I'm in a Saturday of my life of I don't know what to do now and all I feel is discouraged. For some of you, that's in your marriage. You don't want your marriage to end in divorce, but you also don't know what to do in your marriage because you're going, we've lost so much passion and we've lost that excitement to be with each other and we, we've, we've lost that desire for us to continue to grow together and we're just kind of roommates now. And you're going, I don't know what to do in this. I don't know where to go in this. I don't know. I just feel discouraged in it and there's a sadness around it and there's a fear around it. That's a Saturday in your life. For some of you, it's around your careers and you're just stuck in the same job and you're going, if I ever left this job and, and, and turned a resume in someplace else, I don't know what I'd put on the resume. I don't know what else I can do besides what I'm doing. And so I'm just stuck. You two wrote a song called, I'm stuck in a moment, I can't get out of it. And I'm going, that's exactly where, that's it. That's, sometimes you feel you're just stuck in this moment, you can't get out of it. And you're going, I don't know what to do. We're left in a Saturday of our life. Man, you see that in your finances, you see that in, your, in school, and in, in, you're in a major that you don't know what to do with, but you've already spent so much money that you don't want to change that major by your senior year. You know, you've got the friendships that you have. Come on, every one of us, I think a lot of us right now, we're holding on to Saturdays in our life. We have these Saturdays that we're just going, what do I do now? What do you do with something that you, don't, you can't do anything about? And what reigns is just this lingering disappointment or sadness or confusion or fear. That's what the disciples had to have been going through on that Saturday. Well, again, we know that Sunday comes. We know that in the end, God does love us. We know that in the end, God does care for us. But in those Saturday moments... Those are the days that we, it are hard for us to even picture God loving us. In those Saturday moments, we, we, we give in and we give up. We give up. We just say, I, I, I just got to run. I'm going to run from it. It's not worth it anymore. I'm not, it's not worth it anymore to invest deeply in my marriage because just, I'm just stuck here. So we give up. We give up around our finances. We give up around our, 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 our attempt in connecting with our child. And so some, we, we tempted to give up or we give in. We give in to the lies that say, well, this is the way it's going to be. And we give in when our faith is tested like this. We give in and we say, you know what? God is silent and therefore I don't think he cares. We give in to the lie that says God is, God, God is nowhere to be seen. And therefore, he's apathetic. We give in to that. Our faith is tried like crazy in this. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, faith is an assurance of what you hope for and a confidence in what you don't see. And, and in these Saturdays of our life, we don't have any confidence. We have zero assurance. So our faith is tried like crazy. I think the disciples' faith was tried like crazy on Saturday. 
and we go through those too. What can we learn from those disciples during those days? There's a part of me that wonders. There's a part of me that wonders in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all that's going on on that Saturday, there's a part of me that wonders if one of the disciples, if just one of them came to the rest of them, one of them, you know, maybe it was Bartholomew or Thaddeus, one of the disciples we never hear about. Maybe it was that one that just said, hey guys, do you remember that day? There's just a part of me that wonders if one of them would say this. Do you remember that day a year ago or so? When those ladies came walking up to us and they said, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Do you remember that day? Remember when they came up to us when Mary and Martha, their brother was sick? And we all knew they were talking about Lazarus. Do you remember that day? Do you remember how every one of us knew for sure that Jesus needed to go right then because Lazarus was sick? But do you remember what he did? There's a part of me that wonders, while they're sitting there on that Saturday, if they just start filtering through all that they learned in those three years, and they just go back to those kinds of situations, and just go, what did he do when those ladies came to us and said, you, the person you love, you love. I mean, this is a, one of those guys that Jesus really knew, and Lazarus is sick. He needs your help right now. And remember, and this is what he said. This is what that happened that day. He says, although Jesus was very fond of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days and made no move to go to them. Finally, after the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. Again, although Jesus was very fond of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days and made no move to go to them. He waited. And he knew in waiting that the disciples would question him. He knew in waiting the disciples would not get it. That they'd be like, "Ah, this doesn't make any sense. You love this guy. You have all the power in the world to heal him, and you're just staying here. That makes no sense. He knew that his disciples would think that. He knew that Mary and Martha would be disappointed in him for not coming to to help Lazarus. These two people that he cares deeply for, and he's going, and, and he knows that they will be disappointed in him for not going to him. He knows that the villagers around where, where Lazarus was laying, they were all, they would, would be expecting that Jesus would come. And he knows that they would all be disappointed and confused and saddened by the fact that Jesus chose to stay for two more days before he left. See, Jesus knew that and still he stayed. But then he, sa- he says this in Matthew 11. He says this. He, he says this, you guys. And this is super, super important for all of us to get in the Saturdays of our life. Okay? In the Saturdays, in the hardest times. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I heard a guy named Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta, share about this once. And he's going, this is when Jesus admitted it. This is when Jesus admitted, there will be times when I will respond and you won't get why. 
There are times that I won't respond at, right at the time that you want to, and you won't understand it. There will be times that you will not be able to figure me out. There will be Saturdays of your life where you are holding your hands wide open going, I don't know what to do. And you're going to be wanting God to respond right then. And Jesus is going to be responding in his way. And he's going to be responding knowing that it's totally in his hands, just like Saturday was for the disciples, knowing that Sunday was there. And God had all of that still fully in his hands. He's going, there will be times when you won't get it. And you will conclude that my apparent absence looks like it could be that you don't, I don't care. He will, you will conclude at times that my silence means that I'm too busy for you and I'm not listening to you. And he's saying in those moments, in the Saturdays of our life, he's saying, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed is anyone that recognizes that while it looks like I'm silent, I'm still there. Blessed is anyone that while it looks like I am absent, I'm still there. And that that's where your trust in me can grow. And that's when your faith in me, while it feels like there's no confidence whatsoever, can actually grow in confidence. I wonder if one of those disciples during that Saturday went back and said, guys, remember, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. We don't quite get him. We haven't gotten him for a long time. And we don't get this now. But can we still trust in him? What's really cool, you guys, about this book is that we don't quite know how the disciples are feeling in some of these places. We don't know how, how they were feeling on this Saturday. We don't know, but here's what we do know. We get to then read some of the things that they wrote about their life and their life with Jesus and what they learned. We get to read some of those things and we get to start going, wow, this is what they learned. This is what they were feeling. This is what they did get out of all that's going on. Because these guys were there. They weren't people that were just watching from the sideline from some far off places. It wasn't something they heard about 200 years later. They were there and they saw it and here's how they responded to it. And so we get to, go, we get to look. We get to look at Peter and we get to read some of his letters and, and you get to see all the different ways that he's going, here's what I learned from Jesus and I'm going to write it down here. Here's what I learned in those situations and I'm going to write it down here. John, I was right there with him. I was standing there when Jesus died on the cross and here's what I learned from it all. We get to get all of that in, the, in, in, in their letters. And so we get to read in Peter. You guys, look at what it says in Peter here, in 1 Peter 4. It says, friends, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Is he not thinking about the Saturdays of his life? When things got difficult, could he actually even be thinking about that Saturday before Jesus rose? When life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. He's looking back going, man, was he on the job? Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. 
I couldn't say, be glad in those situations. Peter can, because he was there. And he went through it. And he saw it. And he experienced what that was like. And he saw the refining work of God. That in the heart of those Saturdays, when he still leaned on God, still doing the job, he found that his faith was being refined. I love that word refined. Being put in the fire and refined in the fire. And saying, it's growing, it's getting stronger. My faith's getting stronger in the midst of those circumstances because glory is just around the corner. Sunday's just around the corner. And the Saturday's for us, the heart of that marriage and the heart of that struggle with your kids and the heart of that finances, whatever it is, Sunday's around the corner. Can we trust him in that? He says this, so keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. He gets the last word. Man, we're in the heart of the stuff that we're going through, the heart of our Saturdays. We're thinking those things get the last word. We're thinking that disconnect gets the last word, that that fear gets the last word, and that anger gets the last word, and that disappointment gets the last word. That's all that we think. And Peter is saying, I've seen it. I lived through it. I know it. I saw him. God is going to get the last word. John was right there. John saw it all. John wrote in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John wrote about all that he saw. And in there, he's in, I love how he even starts his letter. Look at the way he starts his letter. He's telling us, I was there. You guys, it's not fiction. I was there. From the very first day, we were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, and verified it with our own hands. What's he thinking when he's saying verified it with our own hands? When Jesus appeared to his disciples and Thomas was doubting, he walked into that room and he walked right by John and all the rest of the disciples and walked right to Thomas and said, Thomas, man, put your hands right in the holes in my hand. Put your hand in the hole in my side. He got to place his hand right there for Thomas to believe. John was right there watching it. And so he's going, man, we got to verify it with our own hands. This happened. God got the last word. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in our most sober prose that when we witnessed what, what we witnessed was incredibly this, the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it all happen. And then he says, he saw it. And, he, and he's, he's telling us, he's telling us, it's key for you to know that I was there, that I'm a witness to it. Because for us in our faith, it's an assurance of what we hope for and a confidence of what we don't see but I saw it, and I'm witnessing it for you. You guys, when, when, when University of Maryland, Baltimore County beat University of Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament, people are saying that that was the greatest single upset in all of sports, in all of history of sports. They're saying that might have been the greatest single upset. If you don't know anything about sports, this was a big deal. 
The, the uh, number one seed, the number one seed in the entire tournament lost to a 16 seed, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. No one even knew what UMBC stood for, and they beat University of Virginia in the first round. You guys, I was watching the news on this. You know what the number one ticket sales were after that? People were looking for tickets to purchase after the game to get into the arena to say that they were there when it happened. They were looking for tickets to say, I'm going to buy a ticket off a scalper, uh, 200, 400, 600 bucks. I'm going to go buy a ticket so that I could go into a game that's already over with so they can say 15 years later, I was there when the greatest upset in sports history happened. I was there. They were buying tickets to get into the arena to say that they were there. These guys are saying, we didn't have to buy a ticket afterwards. We saw it all. We were right there. And John says, take care of yourselves from what we saw. Don't throw away all the labor that has been spent on you, but persevere till God gives you your reward. Persevere. When I was in college, the, the pastor that I would go, I would go to this church where the, the pastor, a guy named Earl Palmer, uh, he would preach to us. And Earl, Earl was, he might be the smartest man I've ever met. And, and, and he would preach to us and he was constantly taking the Bible and translating Greek. He was always telling us what the Greek words were. And, and you know, it, because this was originally written in Greek, the New Testament was. And so he would always tell us, now here's what the Greek word is and here's what it really means. And he would read it. And you guys, there was one day he was stumbling across his words and he was kind of reading a little bit, kind of, it wasn't smooth in his reading. And I thought, what's wrong with Earl today? And I went up to him afterwards and I saw his Bible sitting there and it was opened up and I looked at it and it was all in Greek. He was just translating it during, while he was reading it to us. He was just translating it straight from Greek. And so I'm going, okay, I'll give him a, a pass for that, that he was just translating while he's reading it. So he's, he, so he's, he's brilliant, and he gives us Greek words all the time, and he's preaching to us, and I remembered none of them. I don't remember any of, what, of the words that he said, except for one. There was one word that Earl would say, and he, and he said, he said, it's the word for perseverance. He said, that word in Greek is upomeno, and I'm going, upomeno, what, what's that? And he said, upomeno, and he says, it says, it means hang in there. Hang in there. That's the one Greek word that I remember from all of those things. Upomeno, hang in there. In fact, I want all of you guys to say, upomeno. You just see, now you guys got it. Upomeno means hang in there. You Now you have it. One Greek word. Hang on to that one, because that, the reason why that stuck with me is that's the one I can get. Hang in there. When you're in the Saturdays of your life, John is saying, hang in in there. Through the power of Christ that he gives you to do so, hang in there. When you are tempted to give in or you're tempted to give up, when you're tempted to say Jesus is absent, when you're tempted to say Jesus doesn't care, hang in there. Because in these moments, your faith is being refined and your faith is actually growing. In those times where you're feeling zero confidence and zero assuredness, your faith is actually growing as you hang in there in the Saturdays. James, the brother of Jesus, 
The brother of Jesus says this. He says, when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Welcome them as friends? Really, James? I can't say that, but the brother of Jesus sure can. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We want to know what maturity looks like in our faith. You want to go, gosh, I sure want someday to be a mature person in my faith in Jesus. Maturity isn't, is, we can memorize all these scriptures, that'll make you smarter. And we can do all kinds of stuff for Jesus, and that'll make you obedient. But he's saying where your maturity is going to grow in your faith is in the Saturdays when you're so tempted to say, I don't trust you. In the Saturdays when you're tempted to say, you're silent and you're not there. In the Saturdays where you're tempted to say, you don't care. When you can say, no, Sunday is coming. You do love me. And I'm hanging on. He's going, that's when your faith grows in maturity is in those Saturdays that James went through, that John went through, that Peter went through. And they look back and they say, and you can too. Now, in the midst of it, I do recognize, in the midst of, uh, of, of the Saturdays of our life, we struggle. And we struggle with any ounce of faith. There's a guy named O. Halsby that wrote a book called Prayer. And I love what he said because he simplified this all down to this. He says, look, faith, we think we've got to have this strong faith, this really strong. He says, faith, it's, you just need it strong enough to turn towards Jesus instead of tempted to turn away. That's the only faith you need is just turn towards. Instead of running away, just turn towards. And he says, and then when you turn towards, you open up your hands and you say, you invite God into your helplessness. And he says, that's prayer. You turn towards him instead of away and you invite him in to your helplessness. That's where our faith is refined. When we turn and invite him in to our helplessness. In my life right now, I've got a, a Saturday of my life that's going on. Normally, I'm able to just share all of it with you, but every once in a while, I have to hold a few things in that I'm not going to just be super transparent with. And I'm going through a Saturday of my life in, in one area of my life right now. And, and this last week, I'm sitting there at home, and I'm, and I'm going through, and I'm just, it's, it's consuming my thoughts, and it's, it's, there's some frustration in it. There's some, there's some sadness in it. I, I don't know what to do. I'm holding my hands wide open just going, I don't know what to do with this. And, and I came into work on Thursday. And on that Thursday, Aisha Cox, that's Maurice Cox's wife. Maurice is our, is our high school pastor here. And Aisha, his wife, she's come up here and she's spoken to us a number of times. Just a brilliant, brilliant woman. Aisha came up to me, it came up to us as a staff and said, I really feel like the Lord has placed, placed it on my heart to pray for you as a staff. And I was one of those people, I'm one of those people that when she did that, and she, she said, so I'm going to do that. My first thought is, okay, pray for them, but not for me because I've got this stuff I'm dealing with. I've got this stuff that I've got to deal with myself and I've got no confidence around, around God with it. I've got no confidence in my faith with it. I'm, I'm just dealing with it myself. I don't know what to do with and then Aisha started praying. 
And what happened in the heart of that prayer is that is, I'm just, as things started to get released and I'm going, I'm going, wait a minute, this is someone that's praying with confidence for the fact that I have no confidence. And she's praying with confidence to a Lord that Sunday is coming with me that's going, I can't, all I can picture is my Saturday. And she's praying with confidence and, and passion and excitement around the fact that God does care while I'm sitting there going, I've got no assurance and I've got no confidence. I'm sitting there as weak as can be with someone that's praying as powerful as can be. And all of a sudden I'm starting to go, wait a minute, this is really good. This is really good. And when she got done praying, I was just going, man, Lord, thank you for giving me someone that had the confidence that I didn't have to pray for me. And I can recognize that Sunday still is coming. And in this Saturday, you're still here. Well, she did that, and I walked up to her after. I said, Aisha, I want you to finish my sermon for me today. I said, I want you to give that same gift that you gave to me. I want you to give it to our, all of us. Because I think every one of us have some Saturday that we're holding on to in our life that we just feel like there's nothing we can do. We all have Saturdays in our life that we feel like, I don't know where to go. I don't know how, where to turn. I don't know what to do. And we need someone to pray with confidence over those things. And so I said, will you come up and just be you and pray with confidence over all of us? And so, so she said, yes, I'll do it. So, she'll, she, so Aisha's coming up to pray for us to, to finish our sermon this morning. You guys, as we get ready for Easter Sunday next week, and we have to recognize Friday, and we recognize the Saturdays of our life and some of the pain in our life on Saturdays and with some of the I don't know what to do with, every once in a while you need someone that's going to go, let me remind you Sunday's happening. So here's what I want you to do during this prayer time, okay? Because she's going to finish it up, and then Becky's going to come over and sing one more song. When she's praying for you, will you just, some, for some of you, you've never experienced this before, and you've never had someone pray over you, and you go, this is weird. It, it, it might be, but it doesn't matter. Let her pray anyway for you. And when you're sitting there going, no, I'm holding on to this tight. There's nothing you could do. Let it go enough to hear her prayer for you with the confidence that Sunday's coming and God's here on Saturday too. Will you open your hands up to that? She's got a gift for us today in praying for us. And I just said, Aisha, do not hold back. Do not, do not, turn, don't, do not go, well, I should be nice. And just, just you be you and pray for us today. Hey, church family. So this prayer has been on my heart the whole week. And we're going to do something a little different today, and I'm going to just ask you all to please stand with me as I pray. I'm going to read a verse out of Exodus, and then we'll pray. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. The children of Israel would not have been able to defeat the Amalekites if Moses did not have people next to him to hold his hands up when he got weary. And I believe not only in the power of prayer, but in the power of community. Pray with me. God, I thank you first and foremost that you are a good father. I thank you, God, for this moment. 
I thank you, God, that Hebrews 4.16 says that we can draw near to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, Father, right now, I speak to every person in this room that may have some sort of doubt or discouragement because they are in that Saturday place, God. And I ask, God, that you would give them confidence right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that where your spirit is, there is freedom. Your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I just speak freedom from fear, freedom from doubt freedom from shame oh god i thank you father that you are ever present that you are all knowing god you know what area of helplessness we have god whether it's in our marriage god whether it's with our children god whether it's with our job god whether it's knowing our purpose god whether it's the thoughts that's coming into our mind oh god father you know and I thank you, God, that your word says, in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. And God, I pray that you would give us a spirit of endurance for that Saturday place, God, to get to Sunday knowing that we are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, knowing that when we least see it, God is working, that when we can't see your hands working in our life, God, that we can trust your heart. And I just pray Galatians 6, 9, that says to not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So, Father, I pray that instead of turning away from you and turning to other things, Father, that we would turn to you when we feel weak, when we feel tired, when we feel weary, oh God. I thank you that you tell us to cast our cares, our worries, our anxieties on you because you care so much for us, God. I thank you, God, that there is power in trusting you, God. I pray, God, that we would find joy in the wait, in the process, in the midst of our Saturday, in the midst of our helplessness, God, that we can look to you and know that you have something far greater for us on the other side, Lord. I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I thank you, God, that you see us, that you hear us, God. Prayers that we pray to you and those we haven't even had the words to say, God. Father, cover our minds. Give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us to praise you in that Saturday place, God. Help us to walk by faith and not by our circumstances, not by our emotions, God. Not what other people say to us, God. Have your way in our hearts, God. And give us joy to look forward to Sunday, but also in the midst of our Saturday, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.